In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Due to the desire to love our neighbors and to protect our church members uh, from the awful virus that's ravaging our country, uh, we have suspended in-person church services for the month of June, and instead we'll be worshiping via podcast. Today is Father's Day, and so if you are a father who is listening, happy Father's Day. Um, Fathers are a a godly father uh, who loves you and cares about you is a gift, and a father who may not be your biological father who loves you and cares about you is a gift. Uh, Just as we said on Mother's Day that Uh, Mothers come in all shapes and sizes. Fathers come in all shapes and sizes as well. And when I look at the Bible for an example of a faithful father, I look no further than the father of our Lord, Joseph. Uh, We know Joseph was not the biological father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that Joseph did not fully understand all the time what was going on with with what was happening with Jesus and Mary. He had to be told in dreams and visions, and he had to trust God that this was what God's plan was for this young life that was going to enter the world and save the world. And we know about Joseph from Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapters 1 and 2, But after that, Joseph kind of fades into the background, and we don't hear anything else about Joseph. But yet we know that Jesus grows. We are told that he grows in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And we know that, you know, for all of his human faults that he he had, because Joseph was human, and for all of his uh, struggling to understand and grasp what was going on, that Jesus grew to be who he was, not just because he was Jesus, but because of Joseph's influence on his life. And so if you're a father listening and you feel like you have some shortcomings today, that's okay. If you love your kids and you're doing your best for your kids, they'll be all right. Pray for your kids if you're a father listening today. And if you're a man who who doesn't have kids, but who has nieces or nephews, or has kids that you know through through the church, or if you have neighborhood kids who, who know you and have a good, healthy relationship with you, pray for them. Do your best to be a good example to them. Help them to understand what life looks like and what it looks like to be a man of God in this world that we live in today. Because there's a lot of kids who need an example. And sadly, there's a lot of biological fathers who don't stick around. And sometimes our our fathers die. And kids, kids need somebody to look to. Especially young boys need fathers to look up to. And so on Father's Day... Whether you have kids or don't, whether you have grandkids or great-grandkids, or you've got an annoying neighbor kid 
who comes over and bugs you every now and then, be a good example. Follow Jesus. Pray for these kids. And just follow the example of Joseph and be a steady and stable influence in the life of a child. Happy Father's Day. Uh, a, a note about the podcast, we do have a bonus podcast that we posted on Friday morning. It's called A Prayer for Our Country, and it has some scripture in it from the book of First Timothy, and also has a, a prayer for our country. And that's why it's titled that. And so feel free to listen to that. That's a separate podcast. Like I said, it, it came out on Friday. Um, so you can, you can look for that in your podcast feed. And we are happy that you are listening. We pray God's richest blessings on you and hope that as you listen, as you sing along to the songs, as you read along with the scripture, as you pray along with the prayers, and as you hear God's word proclaimed, that you would know that Christ is present because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him.
bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, we come before you, we bow before you today to acknowledge that you are Lord of the universe and that you are ruler over all. And as we look around us this early summer season and we see the plants that are in bloom, the flowers that are in bloom, and we see our gardens growing, we know that you have a hand in creation that you are the one who created it all. Lord, we have many prayer requests in our congregation. And Lord, I lift them up to you. We have people who are ill. I ask that you be with them during this time and that you give them comfort during their time of trial. We have those who have possibility of losing a job and they don't know how they're going to make ends meet. And I ask, Lord, that they would put their faith and their trust in you and they would give it to you because you already have a plan in place for them. Be with those that have difficulty with relationships, Lord. I ask that you would bring peace into their lives and that they would reach out to whoever that is and that they would um, initiate reconciliation. And Lord, we have a couple families in our congregation who are in the grieving process. And I pray for the Coles as they buried uh, Karen's mother yesterday. And I ask that you be with them as the grieving continues and that you would give them comfort during this time. I also pray for the crown overs for the loss of Larry's sister. Lord, we know that she's in a better place, but still be with them as they grieve her loss here on earth. Lord, I pray for our young church and I ask that you be with them. They have prayer requests also. Be with the two students that have graduated from high school. They're stepping out into a world that is uncertain at this time. And I ask that you would lead and you would guide them in the direction that they are to go. And that they would put their faith and their trust in you because you have already charted their path. And Lord, I pray for Melissa and I pray for Ashley and I pray for Sherry as a minister to the young church. And I ask that you be with them as they share the love of Jesus with them. Be with our congregation, Lord, as we're into a new phase. And I ask that you be with us in the direction in which you are going to lead us. Help us to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit as we do and take and, and do what you have outlined for us to do. Lord, I pray for our country. There's much uh, dissatisfaction now. And Lord, there is injustice in this country. And there are certain groups of people who have been singled out. But yet, Lord, I lift up the police who at this, court, this uh, uh, present time, many of them who are trying to do their job as they've been trained to do. 
And I ask that you be with them because they feel like they're neglected for the acts of a few who have done unspeakable things. And I ask that you place in the hearts of the leaders that they review their police procedures and their departments. They're able to weed out these ones who are insensitive and show injustice to minority groups. And I pray for the police who are doing a good job that they would stay true to that and that they would, um, and that you would just give them peace during this time. And uh, I ask that you be with our leaders who have to make these tough decisions. And I ask that the decisions that they make are decisions in the best interests of the people they are to serve. Be with our church as we are considering opening soon. And help us that the decisions that we make are for the best interests of our congregation. I ask that you be with us now, this podcast. And as, as it goes out over the electronic ways, give our pastor the words of encouragement so that each, of, uh, each and every one of us can be blessed by the words that he has to say. With that, Lord, I lift up all these petitions to you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Psalm chapter 112. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away, their hopes thwarted.
scripture reading this morning is from the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 47, and we'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sometimes on television, when, uh, when a TV series will end one season and they know they're going to make a ne- another one, you know, they're, they're not at threat of cancellation or you know, anything like that, 
there will be a cliffhanger. It'll be something at the end of the, uh, the, end of the one season that leads into the next season, and you don't know what's going to happen. And so you just kind of, you wait for it, you wait for that next season, you wait all summer to find out what happened. And unfortunately, it seems like all of my favorite shows do this so that I have no peace from the time that the last episode of one season and the beginning uh, episode of the next season happens because I don't know what's going to go on. Is, is the hero going to get out of his situation, or is he going to get pinched? Are they going to finally catch the bad guy? What's going to happen? Well, last week where we left off was a little bit of a cliffhanger, because Peter had gotten done preaching. And if you've read any of the rest of the book of Acts, then you know that the, the outcome of the apostles' preaching is not always well-received. Uh, there, there are times when mobs happen, when anger breaks out, when uh, they get arrested and thrown in prison. And Jesus said this sort of thing would happen to them. But we're still on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has manifested itself as tongues of fire and alighted on the disciples and the people who were in the upper room, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues uh, that were, they were proclaiming the praises of God that could be heard in the languages of the people below. And then Peter stood up and preached boldly, proclaiming that Jesus is Lord not just of Israel, he's not just the Messiah, that he is the Lord and God of the universe, and that his rule and reign has come through this death, resurrection, and ascension, and that now the Holy Spirit is here to draw anyone who believes and follows Jesus into the family of God that in the Old Testament we call Israel, but now we know as the church, God's people. So Peter gets done preaching, and we had that cliffhanger, brother, and, and we didn't know what was going to happen, and then we start off today with their hearts were pierced. For, for most of the people listening, well, at least 3,000 of them, we know that they were deeply touched by what Peter said. And sometimes we've, we've heard those words in our lives that have, have gotten deep down in. And, and yes, sometimes it's a word of encouragement where somebody has told us the truth about ourselves that we had maybe never believed before, and it just gets down into our hearts and, and shapes us that way and, and changes us. Sometimes it's somebody saying something that we didn't necessarily want to hear, but that we, that we needed to hear. And so that cuts to our heart. And sometimes we get bad news that goes deep down into our hearts. But in this case, these were all people who had considered themselves Israelites. They were God's people. These were people who were in Jerusalem for the festival of the Feast of Weeks. 
they were here for a reason from all around the known world at that point, from all around what we would call the Roman Empire and beyond. And so here they were, hearing Peter interpret the goings-on in this way, which is the way that Jesus had been setting them up to be interpreted, but now it's all come true, and things are different. Because it's, it's one thing for something to be theoretical and for you to hear it spoken and for you to understand it mentally, and it's another thing for it to become a belief, something that you live your life out of. But what these people had just seen is their belief transformed. Something was different because they had just seen this come true in their very eyes. The prophecy of, of Joel that said God's spirit will be poured out on all people had been performed right there, had been fulfilled right in front of them that day. And the Psalms where, where David says that, you will not, that God will not allow his Holy One to rot in the grave was put in the proper context for them that day. And so they said, what should we do? What can we do now that we have heard this and we know that things are different? And that's a great question. Because honestly, it's a question that we don't get to sometimes ourselves. Is we'll read something in scripture and we'll, we'll hear a message or we'll receive something in prayer and we tuck it away in our brains or in our hearts as if it's, as if it's something private for just us. But when we ask that question, what do we do now? It compels us to live differently. And what Peter gives them to do is one of the two most rich actions that we have as followers of Jesus, and it's baptism. And the way that he puts baptism into context is, again, in context that the way the people would understand it. Because God had called Abraham to be a nation, uh, and he had called them Israel, starting with Jacob, and, and he had called them to be a blessing to the world. But he had called them to repent of their sins. He had called them to offer forgiveness. He had called them to leave their earthly ways, leave their worldly ways, and follow the ways of God. And he had gifted them by allowing them to be his people, by calling them to be his people. And so all of this language that Peter uses to describe baptism makes sense to them. And to us, it's an invitation into God's family. The church is a baptized community living as the new creation of Jesus. There are so many rich symbols that come with baptism. One is death into life. 
And that's why it, one reason that it's so powerful is that it, it, it puts us bodily with Jesus, that we are lowered under the water into death and we are brought out into new life. Baptism carries with it the symbol of, of new creation. In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning when God made the, made the heavens and the earth, the Spirit was hovering over the waters. And this new thing that God has done is going to happen through the waters of baptism. And we also think about God's people leaving Egypt and, and God leading his people out of slavery in Egypt, and he leads them through the Red Sea. And then when they will finally enter the land that God had promised to them, they again cross through water. And so these, the church is a people of new creation. The church is a people of exodus. The church is a people of deliverance. Baptism carries this rich meaning with it because it's tied to all of these other events. So to say that the church is a baptized community puts us into the life of Jesus, into the narrative of God's people. Even if we are not by our heritage Jewish, the church is God's people through baptism. In 2017, Katie and I went backpacking, kind of. Uh, we would use our, our car as a, as a nightly base for camp, uh, and then we would hike out during the day in Shawnee National Forest in southern Illinois. It's cheating a little bit, I know, but it was the concession that I had to make to get Katie to go along with this completely bananas plan that I had. And we were out for four days, and that was four days without showering. And, and I remember we had planned on visiting a friend who lived in between uh, Shawnee National Forest and where we were living in Illinois at the time. And we visited our friend, uh, our friends Josh and Emily. And their home was a, had always been a place of welcome and rest and uh, recovery for us. We would go there uh, when we just needed to, you know, kind of take a break from things. And we got there, and I don't think the two of us had ever been so happy to shower in our entire lives. And it cleaned all of that, that four days of trail dust and sweat and dirt and, and grime off of us. And as the baptized people of God, baptism does the same thing for us even though we only do it once. Because we remember our baptism and we remember what we promised in our baptism. And we can always go back 
to promising to follow God, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. We can remember going, we can go back to promising to love our neighbor as ourselves, and we can go back to remembering that this was sealed in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we have this background of baptism that brings us all into the church. And as, as Baptists, we believe in, in believer's baptism. We, we don't do infant baptism. But I don't, if, if you're listening and you've been baptized as an infant, and that is the baptism that you feel as a follower of Jesus comfortable with, that's okay. I'm not going to, to condemn you or tell you otherwise for that. Should the Holy Spirit lead you to be baptized again as an adult, that's fine too. Just throwing it out there. You get that one for free. The church, being a baptized people, then goes on to live as the new creation. This baptism isn't just a a personal token for us to hold on to, like a high school diploma or a college degree or the blue ribbon that we won for the best pie in the county fair. Our baptism is something that we live out of. And yes, it's a moment that we keep coming back to so that we can keep going forward. Much like the Lord's table. We keep going back to it so that we know who we are and we know where we're going. But when you see what happened after those 3,000 people were baptized, it's incredible because what they do is they start living out life as the new creation. They don't live as people who just have a quiet personal faith. They live as people who know that now that they believe and belong to Jesus, now that they are filled with the Holy Spirit, the very power of God himself, that their lives have to be different. But not just their life, the order of their life. The the point around which their lives are organized has changed. It's shifted. And now they see that there's this new thing that God is doing in the world. There's this new creation, and God is drawing them up into it. He is bringing them in to be a part of it. And so what do they do? They worship. They gather together for the Lord's Supper. Which, you know, okay, these are things that we're, we're familiar with doing. You know, maybe not recently, but then they start selling all of their possessions and bringing the money together and giving it out to people who have need. Ho, 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 hang on, John. Now, now I've gone a little bit too far, maybe, but it's right there in the text. That they are among people who have need, and indeed they may even be people who have need. The early Christian movement was not, it's not a story of wealthy people with power who are 
living this life. It's, it's people mostly at the bottom of what we would call the social order who are living out this life of Jesus. And if you read the Beatitudes, this shouldn't be any surprise to you. And so they've brought everything they have together so that no one should be without. And they eat together. And they share their lives together. And they don't see any disconnect between their worship and their listening to the apostles' teachings and their times of prayer and celebrating the Lord's Supper and what they do every day. And this isn't the time for a Christian history lesson on how we got to where we are now, but we don't do that anymore. This is not how we look at life for a variety of reasons that can just be summed up best by saying it's complicated. We, we, we don't always, as followers of Jesus, live, live our lives out together. We don't always, as followers of Jesus, consider our possessions to be everybody else's. And so as followers of Jesus, we have to consider how can we best live out this life this spirit-filled, new creation life in our own world now. I can't change the culture around us. I can't change the way the world is. But what I can change is the way that I live. And I can encourage other people to live differently. Because this is our call as followers of Jesus. If the Holy Spirit has, has grabbed hold of us in our hearts, we have to know that it's time for something to change in the way that we're living. There's that interesting phrase that is the only other excerpt from Peter's sermon because it does say that Peter continued preaching for a long time strongly urging his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And what Peter is saying is turn from worldly thinking. Turn from thinking that teaches you to value money and power and status and fame ahead of the humility and the meekness and the peacemaking that comes through the kingdom of God. That it's very easy to prioritize almost anything else before the kingdom. And even things that are not inherently bad can try to take hold instead of the kingdom whether that's love for our spouse, whether that's love for our country, whether that's love for our possessions, if we put it ahead of the kingdom, then we're going to get this all wrong. We have to consider that the church is a baptized people who are called to live out the new creation in our world. 
three or four months ago, this would have been a different message. This would have taken it. At this point, the rest of what I have to say would have looked a lot differently. And then COVID-19 struck. And I struggled as much as I think anybody else has with what does the church look like now? Because we've never faced anything like this. A friend of mine who's, who's been in ministry for, uh, for almost 40 years called me up uh, a few weeks in and said, I have never faced anything like this in ministry in my entire life. Accurate. Same, to be honest. And so prayer and, and frustration and rants that my patient wife Katie has had to listen to uh, have gone on as I try to discern and conversations with, with other followers of Jesus as we try to discern what does this look like now? Because we're still a baptized community living out the new creation despite COVID-19. But there's always been some sort of threat to human existence, whether it's been localized or globalized, and we've always had to figure out how to deal with it. And so here's what I would humbly suggest this morning. First of all, pray. Pray for your people. Pray for your church members, your, your brothers and sisters in Christ. I spoke to uh, one of our church members the other day who said that he, uh, he has the church directory and he prays right through it, that, uh, that he just goes through each day and prays for a few names. And then when he gets to the end, he goes back and starts over at the beginning. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for, for people who are followers of Jesus that you know. Pray for followers of Jesus that you don't know. Pray for followers of Jesus who don't have the means that you do. Pray for scientists and doctors and nurses and, and people who are are working to be healers, who are, are trying to help people, who are trying to find some sort of a, a medical solution to this to prevent the further loss of human life. Pray for the poor. Pray for the homeless. Pray for those who, who may not have the same access to health care and hygiene that some of the rest of us do. Call and check on people. Talk to people that you know who are living by themselves right now. Talk to people who get lonely easily. Talk to your extrovert friends. <laughs> the outgoing ones aren't always doing so well with quarantine. If you're going out to get groceries and you know of somebody who's living by themselves and can't, and can't go out to get groceries, give them a phone call and see if they've got anything they need. 
And even if they don't need anything, get them a pint of ice cream or dairy-free ice cream in some cases. But then get to know your neighbors. You've probably got people who live on either side of you and, and there may or may not be a fence in between. Stand 6 or 12 feet away. Stand on, on the other side of that fence and talk to your neighbors. Find out how they're doing. If you don't know them real well, use this as a chance to get to know them. Because the first step to sharing and inviting this, them into this new creation life, this Jesus-shaped life, is just getting to know people for who they are. This is who the church is, and this is who the church has always been. And until Christ returns, this is who the church always will be, a baptized community who are called to live the Jesus-shaped life of the new creation. And that is what a good and faithful community will always look like. Before we go to a time of communion, uh, Jim wanted me to offer a prayer for our fathers uh, because he, it slipped out of the back of his mind to pray for that. And so let's pray for our fathers real briefly here. Heavenly Father, we call you Father because you are the example of what a father should be, caring and nurturing and protective and guiding us, correcting us when we've done wrong and praising us when we've done right. Lord, help those who are fathers to love their children, to love them in your spirit, and to show them what it looks like to be a godly father. Help those who are grandfathers and great-grandfathers to continue to love their sons and daughters and to help them to see what it means to be a good father in your name. Lord, help those who aren't fathers to continue to be good, godly men so that whether there are children or young men or even grown adults watching them, that they can see your example in the world. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. We enter into a time of communion today. And if you are listening to this podcast on Sunday, June the 21st, 2020, we will have... <clears throat> We will have a Zoom communion time uh, at 11.30 on Sunday, June the 21st, 2020. And there is a link in the Friday email. Uh, there are directions on how to join that in the Friday email. And if you want to join in on that and did not get that uh, information, you can email baptist.church at comcast.net and we can get you the information to join that Zoom. Again, that is baptist.church at comcast.net.
That is our church email address. It's also on our website, onebaptistchurch.org. If you are unable to join the Zoom, you can partake of communion now. Um, We are going to uh, celebrate with the bread and the cup. And so whether you have grape juice and bread, uh, wine and crackers, coffee and donuts, um, feel free to go and fetch the communion elements now if you're not available, if you're not able to join us via Zoom. We are one in the bond of love. We are one in the bond of love. We have joined our spirits with the Spirit of God. We are one in the bond of love. Let us sing now, everyone. Let us feel His love begun. Let us join our hands that the world will know. We are one in the bond of love. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more, you who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time, you who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed, come. It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. In this we proclaim to you a mystery. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ is coming again. Let's pray. Loving God, through your goodness we have this bread and cup to offer, which has come forth from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Take and eat the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Take this cup of the new covenant a promise between God and humanity sealed with the blood of Christ. Take and drink.
For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray together. O God, our Father, whose Son forgave his enemies while he was suffering shame and death, strengthen those who suffer for the sake of conscience. When they are accused, save them from speaking in hate. When they are rejected, save them from bitterness. When they are imprisoned, save them from despair. And to us, your servants, give grace to respect their witness and to discern the truth that our society may be cleansed and strengthened. This we ask for the sake of Jesus Christ, our righteous and merciful judge. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us this morning on the worship podcast. We would like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for praying for us this morning. We would like to thank Larry Crownover, our uh, resident trumpeter, uh, for his solo this morning. We'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in music. We'd like to thank Katie Witham for reading scripture this morning. And we'd like to thank Gary Hunley for his audio engineering today. We pray that as, as you have worshipped, you have experienced the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, and that you can go forth this week living the life, the Jesus-shaped life of the new creation. And remember to love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. Amen.